You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Good morning, friends. Go ahead and have a seat if you'd like to, and welcome to all of our friends on Zoom as well. My name is Brenna Rubio. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And it is so good to be back here all together uh, this Sunday. Last week, we did something a little bit different. Some of us were off traveling. Some of us were having fun. Some of us were doing great things in our own neighborhoods. And some of us gathered right here at Lafayette, but a little bit differently. And we went out into the neighborhood and we gathered all sorts of trash because that is church too. Church does not have to always involve singing or you know, sitting in seats, we can be church in so many different ways. And it was great to have a reminder of that this last Sunday, but it's also really good to be back here this morning. So thank you all for making this time and being with us. One of the things that we love to do when we come together like this is that we like to pray over our children because we think children are great. We think God thinks children are great. Uh, and so we like to take that time just to, to bless them a little bit before they head off with their teachers to enjoy a time of story and crafts if that's what you as a family would like for them to do. So our friend Ming is going to come up and pray for us this morning and pray for our kids. Would you welcome Ming with me? Good morning. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for just the privilege and joy it is to be able to love on and care for these children in our church. Um, thank you for all their caregivers at home. Thank you for their teachers and uh, the guidance they provide. And we pray that you would just help us to be guideposts for them as they mm -hmm. learn to seek you and uh, learn about you and know you. Um, help us to just uh, be a loving and kind presence in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Ming. Hey, kids, if you want to come on out with Ming and the other teachers, we're going to have fun with you guys this morning. And would you also welcome up Bill White, our other co-pastor here. Hey. Good to see you people. I missed you last week, and I am glad to be back now. So uh, we are in a sermon series right now where we are walking through the book of Exodus, and we're looking at some of the, the key moments in the life of the people of Israel and how they related to God, how they related to other people, um, and kind of exploring the journey of faith through the lens of this particular book uh, of Scripture. And today we're in this passage, we're looking at Moses. And when God comes and says, Moses, uh, you're going to go and, and lead the, the people of Israel, you're going to lead them out uh, of bondage in Egypt, right? They're in slavery, they need rescue, and and you're the man, you've got the job, and Moses is like, nope, you got the wrong guy. And uh, so we're just gonna process that, and we're gonna process what, what do we do with, with that sense of sometimes God might be up to something in our lives, and we don't wanna do it. Um, because I have a feeling that's um, probably been your experience. It's certainly been mine on many, many occasions. So, um, but I wanted to start, you know, as many of you know, I was out of town last week. We took the vacation of a lifetime and went to South Africa uh, for the last 10 days, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, 
if you ever go to South Africa, talk to David Newton. Where's David? There he is. Talk to David Newton, get all the low down, our local South African, um, and talk to his friend Siv, who is truly an amazing human being, who uh, took us on a guided tour through the townships uh, in Cape Town, where he grew up, and it was just incredible. But uh, one of the highlights of South Africa was going to Robben Island. Robben Island was a um, leper colony turned uh, prison turned war camp turned prison uh, just outside of Cape Town, about four miles off the coast. And uh, Robben Island is where they kept their political prisoners during apartheid. And we spent time outside of Nelson Mandela's jail cell. And that here's a picture of, uh, so Nelson Mandela spent uh, 18 years in that jail cell, six feet by eight feet. That's where he lived. And to stand outside of his cell and to, to visit the exercise yard right outside the back um, and to hear the stories and watch the videos of the brutality, just the inhumane treatment. I mean, you would not believe the things that the white warders would do to the inmates. It just turned your stomach. And yet here's this man who takes this suffering and, and with God's help, it, it transforms into um, one of these golden souls that ends up changing a whole nation. And so he was here in that jail cell for 18 years. He was in jail. He was jailed by the government for another nine years, um, 27 years in total. And when he comes out, he's elected president. And he starts the process of rebuilding a nation uh, that was a two-tier system. And now uh, all people, they call it the rainbow nation, right? Where all the different people get to be together. And, and to hear his story, to, st to stand out and look inside his jail cell, you just, I mean, it's like God is speaking and saying, you can actually do great things. You can actually change the world, or maybe you're a little part of it. And the voices inside are screaming, not me, send someone else. I don't want to do it. It might be hard. It will be hard. Certainly there's someone else who's qualified. And I think over and over, I think that was the, the biggest theme of our, our trip in South Africa. I, I, it's not what I anticipated. My, my son planned it all. Timothy's a remarkable uh, student of culture. He actually took five classes on South Africa when he was in college. And uh, he had everything all planned out, all the food, all the places and everything. I, I didn't know going in that it was actually a, it was a pilgrimage to, to look at God's heart for equity and justice and what God might want to do in the world. And in some ways it felt um, overwhelming. And I wonder if, if God might be speaking to me, maybe speaking to all of us in some way or another to say, hey, there's something for you to do in this world. And how do we handle that? How do we face all the insecurities and inabilities that we have and try to respond to God's call.
Uh, so our friend Arturo uh, Macias is going to read scripture for us. If you would welcome Arturo as he comes up. And uh, you may stand in honor of God's word as it is read today. Uh, friends on Zoom, you don't have to stand on your bed. No, you got this one, baby. You can if you want to stand on your sofa or whatever. That's fine. Cool. Good morning, City Church family. So this morning, we're going to be reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And I'm going to interrupt you right here. So this is after God, God is speaking to Moses, say, Moses, man, I got it. You, you're going to go and be a part of my big plan to redeem the people. And here's Moses' fantastic response, which I love. <laughs> Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is that not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. <laughs> People of God, this is the word of God. Hey, Amen. You may be seated. Oh, man, I just... Please send someone else. I don't. I mean, isn't this the story of our lives, right? Just, I don't want to do it. I want to. I want to watch TV. You know, I want to. I want to do anything else besides whatever it is that you may be calling me to. Um, so just at the very beginning of this, this is a whole long conversation in Exodus, uh, in Exodus 3 and Exodus 4, two chapters of the Bible. And um, at the very beginning, when God proposes, like, hey, let's do this together. Moses' first response in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, is, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? who am I? I've, I've got no game. I can't do that. Um, and then by the end, so in the middle, there's this whole conversation back and forth between Moses and God. And then at the end is the verse we just read. Moses like, you know, just send someone else. Um, and in so many ways, this is the story of our lives. This is the bargaining that we do. A lot of us aren't as maybe I dare say maybe not as honest as Moses, or maybe as direct. Uh, we'd rather uh, just go drinking and, and not think about it, or just watch TV and not think about it, or just make ourselves busy with work or school or whatever it is. But we're really saying the same thing. Who am I? I don't have what it takes to make a difference in the world. And then finally, you know, just send someone else. I don't want to do it. Um, so what I, what I want to do here is have uh, a version of sort of an, of an open mic. I want us to, we're not going to have an open mic because open mics always go bad. Um, <laughs> but but we're, it, it's a version of it. So we're going to do a little texting. Because um, I want to hear, we, we need to hear from each other, like, because I, this is our stories too. So for our friends on chat, you can, on Zoom, you can put in the chat um, what you'd like to say. And friends here, this is my cell phone number at the bottom. 
all right? You're going to text me right now. Um, and here's the question. Share a time when your insecurity or other issues prevented you from doing something God might have been calling you to do. And it's might have, because we don't know. Like, you know, I mean, maybe you've got it all figured out exactly what God's saying, but it's usually kind of best guesses and hunches. Um, and then why did you feel like you were not up for the job? All right. So, and we'll, we'll read this anonymously. In fact, I want to invite my uh, Brent Rubio, uh, Isabel Arechiga is going to come up and they're going to, they're going to read the responses. So take a minute. We're not rushing here. So we're waiting for you. And we're going to hear from amongst us. Whoa. When have we, maybe it was about parenting or a job or a, something about your spiritual life. Take a minute and think. We don't, we're not in a rush. But he may make us stand here until you guys send us something, you know, so. You got comfortable. <laughs> I would say he's comfortable. take out anything that feels too specific, but yeah. yeah feel free to edit, you know. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you can read that one. Yeah. We're just going to, well, if we edit, it's just because we want to protect your privacy. And if we're too timid, sorry, that was on us. But you're good. Okay. Yeah. So this one says, pardon me from being trans lord. I don't like everyone knowing my business and being trans is so public. Mm -hmm. Being a teacher, preparing so well and only teaching for a year, I had to leave because I was too insecure to deal with the teenagers, even though I knew it was a good thing to do. Unworthiness, lack of value makes it way less motivating. Mm -hmm. To be the main caregiver for my sister and mom, I did not want to do it in the beginning because it was too hard. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to do that one? Sure. Declining to serve in leadership in the church because I didn't feel equipped because of past church experiences and issues I need to work out emotionally. Oh, you guys are doing great. I'm loving this. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, can you tell we're like... <laughs> oh, that's... All right, pretty much daily. Too old, too fat, too weak not good enough. Hmm. To leave a situation I was in with someone in fear that I would have a void.
changing careers and feeling imposter syndrome. Hmm. Yeah, God is calling me to send this text and be honest, but my fear of transparency holds me back. <laughs> That's relatable. Mm -hmm. I felt God had called me to serve overseas, but I had struggled because my daughters are too young. One is struggling with hope. starting a master's degree and being a husband for the second time. Right now, I'm finishing school and looking at job applications, but I can't imagine what my dream job is or how impactful I might be if I truly put my mind to being a good neighbor. Mm -hmm. Needing to take a back seat and set good boundaries for my mental health. Breaking chains and cycles of abuse for my children. Yeah. Not knowing the right words to say and so saying nothing at all. Yeah. I've experienced losses so I live in fear of failure, and it freezes me from all service. Similarly, feeling unequipped and afraid of failure as an assessment of my value of, or worthiness. Maybe we'll pause. Pause. I, I mean, if they're Oh man. <laughs> you guys, so these are amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sending them. I mean, and they're they're more. I mean, they're Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, right. Just just, just blow through them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they texted them just like I don't know what God wants for me, but I'm insecure to do anything feeling too insecure about speaking up about issues of racial injustice and white supremacy with white family and friends, because I also come from privilege and would likely say something offensive or insensitive, which might offend friends who are BIPOC. Leading my family with love because I fail to love myself. not being or feeling enough to face my fears in order to be wholeheartedly present for my loved ones. Hmm. Being ashamed of my mental illness and past stopped me from being honest and asking for help. I put on a front instead. Pardon me, Lord. I thought I knew when I would be ready for motherhood, but you called me. I lamented I was too young, too unstable, didn't have it figured out in life or in relation, my relationship, mm -hmm. but you knew. Mm -hmm. Attempting to change careers for a year, but only receiving rejection emails. Oh, man. It's 
speaking up during difficult family situations. All right, we're going to pause there and you can send more in if you want. Maybe maybe I'll pull back around. Thank you yeah. guys. Really appreciate that. Um, I mean, we're, we're kind of done. <laughs> I mean, this is theoretically just the beginning of the message, but it's like, oh my word. Like this is the story of our lives. And I just appreciate all the courage in, in naming some things there. And maybe for some of us, that's the first time we're naming some things. I really appreciate that. Um, hmm. So in this passage, Moses has a response uh, early on. We're kind of in the middle of the conversation. And this is what he says. And I think it really relates to what we've just, kind of the sacred moment we've just had. Um, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? So God said, hey, I want you, like, I've got something for you. And Moses starts with, who am I? He's going to end up with, send someone else. In the middle, he says, what if they don't believe me? And I wonder if what Moses is, is really trying to say is, what if I don't believe me? Like what, what if I... I actually, he says, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if I don't believe me? What if I don't listen to me? There's, there's a lot. You can see what the, the way Moses is articulating. He's like, I've got junk going on. I, I don't believe in myself. Who, who am I? How do I do this? I'm no Nelson Mandela. And these are the, the things that, that really matter. This conversation, I mean, I've, you know, I've been a part of churches for a zillion years, right? And, and uh, in some ways, this message has always been about trying to tell people to like, um, we need more people to serve in kids ministry. Um, so please sign up today. Right, and and it's 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 the motivational message to get you to do something like, hey, you you know, you can do it, rah rah. I'm not sure that's what's going on here. It's a really tender moment with Moses and God. Moses has got stuff. God's engaging. It's there's back and forth here. It's actually really healthy and really holy. And the process that you're on, you're in good company. I hope you had a sense of that. So God's response in all of this is, is a little strange, which is often the case with God. God says to Moses, in chapter 3, verse 14, it says, God said to Moses, I am who I am, and this is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. As, as God comes at this conversation, the way that God is going about it, it's going to be a couple of steps here, but one is 
God's saying, okay, I'm hearing you. I'm engaging with you. Like, wow. Yeah, okay. Let me know, let me let you know who, who I am. I am. Right? It, it's the tetragrammaton is the fancy word that the, you know, they teach you in school about it, right? It's, it's the Yahweh, which is I, the, the I am, the, the great one, the one who is. It's all about God is saying in God's own name, it's about isness. It's about being. I am who I am is another way to translate God's name, Yahweh. And so in the, in the response to this conversation about Moses saying, well, who am I? God says, well, first, let me let you know I am who I am. And God gives a little bit of a, a background uh, a little bit later in verse four, uh, verse five of, of chapter four, God says, the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. He's saying, look, I, I've appeared to you and I was their God. They did not know me by this name, Yahweh. That, that's, but they had an authentic relationship with me. Right? And many of you have had this experience where, where people actually are knowing God, even though they may not know God by the name you know God. And, and, and that's what God is saying. Like, hey, I've got experience working with all kinds of super messy people. Right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Ooh, man, the stories. Terrible stories. Like, I've worked with messy people before. I'm letting you know this is who I am. I am enough in myself, is what God is saying. And then there's this invitation implied in the text, and, and we'll unpack it here a little bit more. But that God's saying, if I am enough in myself, because you are made in my image, you are enough in yourself. So this comes from a favorite author, um, I just finished one of his great little books uh, called uh, Let Your Life Speak. Parker Palmer writes this. The God whom I know dwells quietly in the root system of the very nature of things. This is the God who, when asked by Moses for a name, responded, I am who I am. An answer that has less to do with the moral rules for which Moses made God famous, than with the elemental isness and selfhood. If, as I believe, we are all made in God's image, we could all give the same answer when asked who we are. I am who I am. We're made in God's image. And so the answer is like, I, I am who I am. This, this is it maybe it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's what I am. And God is, has chosen Moses. God knows Moses. God knows all the issues with Moses, all the crazy 
foolish things he's done and all of his insecurities. And God knows yours. And God is saying, you're enough because I'm enough. And you're made in my image. Miles Davis, the, the, the great uh, jazz trumpeter, right? I don't know if you listen to jazz, but uh, he's, he's got this great line. He says, man, sometimes it takes you a long time to sound like yourself. Right? I mean, in some ways, this is the journey that we're on. We're trying to be like, who am I? That's the real question. Moses asked it back in chapter 3, verse 11. Who, who am I that I should do this? Well, let's go on that journey. Let's go on the journey to figure out who we are. What does it mean to be God's beloved, to be made in God's image? To be enough. Because God is enough and God says, you're enough. We've got to keep discovering this, right? Um, Bridget Eileen Rivera, um, she's a queer theologian and activist. She writes this, each of us carries an imprint of divinity. This is what it means to be the image of God. It also means that self-discovery is a sacred pursuit. The more we come to know our true selves, the more we come to know our God. We get to see, oh, I'm made in God's image. And sure, I've made a mess of all kinds of things in my life. But God is, is inviting me on this journey to uncover who I am so that along the way I might uncover God. I mean, John Calvin, one of the, the old, you know, dead white theologians who started the Reformation, says, there is no knowledge of God without knowledge of self. You actually have to know who you are to know God. And so ultimately, when it comes to these questions of what are we going to do with our lives, whether it's the job teaching, or whether it's you feel called to be a parent, or you're made a parent. <laughs> you didn't feel called to it, but here you, you know, I mean, all, or, or all the different parts of the spiritual journey that we go on. These are, this is our mission. This is what we're, we're, we're doing in the world. Ultimately, I think what this passage is saying is that it's our identity that determines our destiny. It's who we are that shapes what we do. It's our being that precedes our doing. And we're invited in on this deep journey with Jesus to know who we are. And so I want to I want to close with two pictures. One, another one from South Africa. So this is uh, we spent. So, so that's Katie there in the. This is that's in the foyer. This great big open space, which is also an art gallery, at the um, on Constitution Hill in Johannesburg. 
and it is the um, it's the atrium where you enter in to the nation's Supreme Court. So we actually went and sat in chambers of the Supreme Court of South Africa, and this is the way in. And what you'll notice is it's sort of a strange angle, right? I'm up a floor. I'm actually in, this is the old prison, uh, what, what they called the old fort, which became the old prison, which became the old fort again in Johannesburg, uh, where again, they carried out just inhumane torture and abuse. Nelson Mandela spent two stints uh, here. Uh, this is where Mahatma Gandhi actually was imprisoned for the first time. Uh, he kind of solidified his vision for nonviolence in Johannesburg. Um, obviously, many multiple decades before Nelson Mandela. Uh, and so what you're standing, I'm standing here in a cell block. This is, this is solitary confinement. And this is a door right here. Um, that opens up, and that would have been the sol solitary confinement cell right there. But what they did is they said, look, there are a lot of places we could put the Supreme Court. And there were reasons to put it other places um, where the court had been. But they said, no, we're going to build it on the old prison, the most notorious prison. Well, that and Robben Island, it's kind of a toss-up. And they built it, they literally... So part of the exterior wall of the Supreme Court of South Africa is prison block number four. Where these horrible things, great injustices were done. And so when you walk in that building, you, you cannot ignore the reality of South Africa's past. We love to, in our country, we love to ignore but in South Africa, they made this agreement, we will not ignore, because we know that our identity is going to determine our destiny. We're going to face apartheid. We're going to face this system of white supremacy, and we know the injustices, and we're, we're going to, out of that, we're going to move towards something new, something different. And so the Supreme Court justices, every day on the way to work, they walk, they, they walk through that space. And it's this reminder, like, my destiny is, is determined by my identity. Like, this is part of our past, and we're going to deal with it. We're going to head it face on. Uh, for me, in a very personal way, a lot of you have been to my backyard. If you haven't, you're invited. Uh, we're actually having a potluck this Wednesday. Um, but uh, if you come through the, the back way, you'll see this, um, this kind of wall that, that, that I built. And I'm going to take just a minute to explain it. And it's super nerdy. And I'm sorry. Oh, well, you get what you get. Um, but uh, so it's colorful, it's nice, and it's just simple, and it kind of hides some of the stuff on the other side of it. Um, but what it is, those slats there... It's wood, right? The yellow wood, and then there's sort of this reddish wood on top. It's actually built on um, the verb tenses in the original Greek of the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is one of the books that Paul wrote to a church in the New Testament. All right, so just hang with me here. It's, we're going to pull this together, all right? I, hang it. Hold, hold it together just for a second. All right, so... 
They're declarative verbs and they're imperative verbs. A declarative verb is like, hey, this is what is. Like God chose you. God redeemed you. It is, right? You are loved. This is what Ephesians says over and over again. And then there are imperative verbs, which is, so be patient with one another, forgive one another, do justice in the world, these things, right? Those are imperatives. Those are the commands. So they're, they're the statements and the, and the commands, right? The statements are about who you are, and the commands are about what you now should do. So the yellow slats tracks the Greek verbs in the book of Ephesians. So there's six chapters long. So this is chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, four, five, and six, okay? And the yellow verbs are the declarative verbs, the statement verbs saying, I mean, re read it. All it is is God's like, I've chosen you. I love you. You are the beloved. I've redeemed you. You're mine. All these statements of what is. And only, you, you get one, there's one uh, imperative verb in chapter 2, verse 8, where it says, um, yeah, remember the gospel. Right? It's command. This is what you're supposed to do. Remember the gospel. But otherwise, all this stuff, and that's really kind of a being sort of verb anyway. All this stuff about be patient and forgive and all this. There, there are dozens of these verbs, and, and depending on how high the wood is, that's how many verbs there are in that section. You can count it all out. I can do the math with you. It's really fun. It's really cool. Um, but notice all this stuff about what you do is at the end. Because what God is saying is here at the beginning, this is who you are. You are loved. You are chosen from the beginning of time. You have been rescued. You have been made one. Your life matters. And so out of that identity, you have a destiny. Go, do justice, care, forgive, be patient, be transformed on the inside. And so I've, I've got these little words. You see on the top left, it says be. On the top right, it says do. And so my goal is every time I look at this wall is to remember, oh, that's right, that's right. Being precedes doing. Identity determines destiny. For Moses, it's answering the question, who am I? And for each of us, it's facing what's actually, all, all the stuff that's, that's here that we just read it's facing that and going, yeah, that is there. It's like the Supreme Court in South Africa. Yeah, there's a lot of, oof. Yeah. And God is building a new thing right there. Because your truest identity is your identity in Christ. That you are the beloved. And the God who says, I am, says to you, you get to say, I am also. And that in Christ, you are enough. And for so many of us, that starts with the healing journey, starts with that self-discovery, recognizing it's sacred to know who you are. You can go on that journey. You will meet God there. And that's where so many of us are. And so many of us are also trying to process what is it that God's called me to do.